What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, one of your newest Star Trek podcasts out there in the quadrant. I'm David, alongside her cat, my co-host, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? <laughs> What's up? You know, my cats like to make their presence known, and then they're my unofficial co-hosts on every podcast I ever appear on. So uh, that loud one in the back is Logan and the less loud one who is sitting right next to the desk desk can't talk today right next to the desk next next to me is lucy so if you ever hear cats in the background while we're podcasting those would be logan and lucy they're just part of the family well hello logan and lucy and welcome to the extended family of cats that have been a part of delta juliet mike's podcast network and thank you all and welcome for listening we are a star trek podcast we talk star trek stuff and we sit here on the promenade at deep space nine uh i'm having an extra caffeinated wrecked gino i was feeling a little groggy this morning before the podcast but we're going to get underway here at the promenade merchants podcast we do a little new business where we talk a little bit about what's right now in the world of star trek and we'll do some old business and some things that are upcoming a little bit later so let's just get down to this and i just had a question that i wanted to throw out there i'd love to get everybody's opinion out there uh on twitter at prom trek pod if you're listening check us out give us a follow i'd really love your opinions on this one i'm gonna ask heather and we'll throw this one out there too So the news just came out a couple of days ago that CTV, the television network in Canada that has had uh, the rights to Star Trek Discovery as well as Star Trek Picard, announced that Star Trek Lower Decks will be airing on their network in Canada. And it looks as though Star Trek Lower Decks is starting to form a little more. There have been a few more photos. We're seeing the cast and crew of the show doing a little bit more talking. It looks like Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated series, is starting to get a little bit closer, which is cool with me. But I couldn't help but notice something, Heather, that kind of made me a little curious. I'm not saying this is something to worry about, good or bad. I was just curious. Everywhere else in the world, Star Trek is either being put on a major network or a cable network, or it's going on a major streaming outlet like Netflix. And I'm just wondering, do you think, Heather, that with how successful uh, the resurgence of Star Trek has been, do you think here in the United States that they might start uh, pitching upcoming Star Trek series to other television networks? Do you think we'll see Star Trek in the future on some of the other Viacom networks like CBS proper? Like, uh, I know there's been talk about uh, what is tentatively rumored to be Star Trek prodigy on nickelodeon but for example do you think that there is a possibility 
that Strange New Worlds, with all its hype and buzz, would possibly be on the CBS network proper. What do you think of the idea of the newer Star Trek shows being on other networks outside of CBS All Access? Well, you know, I hate to be a buzzkill in this situation, but I don't believe that a live-action Star Trek show is going to be out on an actual cable network outside of CBS All Access, in the U.S. at least. Um, I I think it's more a monetary reason, uh, because especially with the way our cable setup is, uh, at least in our country, and that obviously doesn't apply to Canada, uh, or even like over in England with the BBC, but the way the cable setup is in our country, it's more cost-effective for these studios uh, to produce content for uh, a pay network because they're getting more money in return for it. And you've seen a trend over the past few years, especially when it comes to big-budget science fiction shows actually getting canceled by their networks and moving to streaming services where they can have a higher budget and produce better content. I mean, when Discovery and the Orville were released around the same time and the Orville was on Fox, so it was on an open network available to everyone and Discovery was on all access and everybody, one of the big arguments behind this about the Orville being real trick is that at least it was available to everyone where Discovery wasn't. But now the Orville moving into season three moves is the show to Hulu. Hulu. They're going to be on Hulu, right. Which is a streaming network. And Seth MacFarlane's main reason behind doing that is because he could have a bigger, bigger budget for better special effects and better storytelling and and more uh, creative deci- creative control in his storytelling at a streaming network, and like you look at a, a smaller show that wasn't necessarily on like a, a big channel like Fox, it's something like The Expanse, who started out on Sci-Fi, had a huge fan base, but still ended to get ended up getting canceled by their network, and then moving to Amazon Prime which is a streaming network where they have the money to be able to produce big budget sci-fi. So like I said, I, 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 I do believe that there is a bigger market for Star Trek outside of streaming networks, but I don't believe that any studio right now believes it's feasible to produce big budget sci-fi and what people expect when they look at a Star Trek show and put it on a main network where everyone can see it. I, I don't think it's going to happen. You, you actually bring up like a ton of really, really good points. Like, like a lot, like everything you said made complete sense. And, and like the idea of a, a show with a better budget and, and better production and, and those kinds of things through streaming is kind of inverted from how television had always been done. 
uh, if your show was on a major network and you had all of the eyes of a major terrestrial network on you, um, you had the ad revenue, you had the money to pretty much do as you needed. And really, your only restrictions were uh, your budget and the guidelines of the FCC. Um, as we now know with modern Trek, uh, FCC guidelines really don't apply anymore with streaming. Uh, but also, I think that uh, I'd like to bring up one, one minor point here. A- and I'm going to make this very closely connected to Star Trek. And you brought up the idea of budget. And here's something that I had thought about, uh, as I've seen with, uh, the more recent Star Trek shows, uh, Discovery, Picard, uh, and it comes down to budget. And I asked the question of, uh, are we putting more budget into the production of the series? Uh, but is that coming at the detriment of the totality of a show? Like, if you remember back in the day, uh, a season of Star Trek would be somewhere in between 20 and 30 episodes. In the case of Discovery, it's less than half of that. Uh, do you think that that might be a detriment? Uh, say, for example, say a show like Star Trek Strange New Worlds. What if that is only, say, a 15 episode season? Do you really think that's a good idea? I think my biggest issue with a lot of the newer Trek series, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, is how there have been times where I love the stories that they are trying to tell, but there's just not enough time to fully flesh them out. I think I said that with season one of Picard. It was only, if I remember right, 10 episodes, season one of Picard. Yeah. And it really felt like they just didn't do enough with expanding into that world in that series. We just didn't get enough. And I genuinely felt that way about the first season of Discovery. I felt that if it would have had 20 or more episodes, we could have gotten so much more from the first season of Discovery, as well as the second. So I wonder if we're taking the overall budget of a series and maybe putting that into less episodes and less opportunities to tell a better story or, or more stories rather. And, and, and I guess I'm asking the question of if we want more episodes of a series or if we want episodes of a series that might not have as many, but they'll have that film sized budget that you see with discovery. I, I think you bring up a good point and I, I mean, for me personally, because that, that is the, the one thing I do agree with, uh, when talking, especially about discovery and, and part of Picard is that they, if, if the, they had more time to expand the story, it would make for a better story. Um, I, I would gladly sacrifice some of the big budget CGI special effects in discovery in order to have more time to expand that story. And I think there's a lot of people who feel the same way, but do you, 
it would take like the executives at CBS and Kurtzman and Secret Hideout to approach it from that same way. And I, I'm I think that would take a little bit more convincing <laughs> because that that's just the mindset in Hollywood right now is that you have to have that that big budget and especially coming from Kurtzman's background where he worked on the Kelvin timeline movies. He's approached Star Trek with that big budget mindset that he has to have that, that big budget and, and special effects and spaceship battles and all of that in order to make it entertaining. I I think he, he really, as much as he has formulated some really good stories in discovery and as well as Picard, he's approached the universe with that mindset and i i don't know how you could get him to convince him to maybe back off of that a little bit i think well it's one of those things we'll just kind of have to wait and see because i think something like strange new worlds isn't going to have the same mindset the way they talk about the show how they want it to be more like classic trek they want it to be episodic uh they're not going to have the same big budget mindset that they do with their serialized story in discovery. So it's one of those things you have to, I I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see if, if they can take that and approach it in a different way. And if it works for them and it is successful for them, if they can apply that to some of their other shows going forward in the future. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and everybody out there listening, uh, let us know at Prom Trek Pod. Uh, do you think that there is a future on uh, cable television or even terrestrial network television for Star Trek? Uh, do you think that the decisions made by Kurtzman and CBS and Viacom to move Star Trek to seemingly almost entirely exclusively through through streaming uh, is better for Trek in the long run? Uh, also, ideally, how long of a season of Star Trek would you like? Uh, are you good with sort of these 10 to 15 episode seasons? Are you good with more? Would you be good with less? Uh, let us know at Prom Trek Pod. Please jo- join the conversation, as they used to say. I'd really love to hear you guys' opinions on that one. Um, quick sidebar before we jump into the old business of today's episode. Uh, something really cool happened and, and I never do this, but since this is my podcast, I'm going to do it. Uh, I made a tweet, uh, about simply stating that, uh, when an article was posted on StarTrek.com, it was a great article. Uh, the name escapes me. Um, sorry. Uh, I simply made a point of saying that it explained that Star Trek has always been about much more than the spaceships, the green aliens, and the pew-pews. And lo and behold, the official Star Trek Twitter account retweeted me, Heather. So that was kind of cool a couple of days ago. Uh, Getting a a little taste of going viral was kind of (laughs) cool. That's awesome. I... uh... I've had that happen to me before. Oh, and, and they followed me. They followed me too. <laughs> well, I, and and I didn't. I, I'm because I'm not the type of person to share this kind of stuff. And uh, I, but Star Trek follows me too. I <laughs> did so, uh, because and, and and I just want to throw this out there because I know it. 
they followed me a few weeks ago, but I think what, like once the pandemic started, I saw a lot of people who I follow online who were like, Oh, Star Trek followed me. And they kept posting about it. And I didn't get a follow right away. And I kind of felt like crap because I'm like, we, we got left out, Heather. We got left out. Star Trek follow me. Uh, so when they did, I didn't, I didn't share it online because I didn't want anyone else to feel left out. And, uh, I think they're, they're, they're following, the fans that they run into that post awesome, positive Star Trek content. And so if you haven't gotten followed by Star Trek, do not feel bad. They still love you. Keep talking about Star Trek. Uh, they'll get there eventually. And I'm pretty certain they'll follow you all eventually because Star Trek fans are awesome. They are. And and, and I really appreciate being included. Uh uh, I ha I'm used to not getting included in things, so getting the nod from the official Star Trek Twitter account was pretty, pretty cool. So let's jump back into the actual podcast and get into the old business, Heather. Uh Jonathan Frakes, uh best known for playing William Thomas Riker on The Next Generation, uh over the years has also been involved in directing. Uh he directed a few of the TNG era movies and has directed a few episodes of Discovery as well as Picard, while also returning for a cameo uh as Will Riker in Picard in in the in the finale of season one. Uh, and and the great episode Nepenthe, a uh, great great episode from Picard, uh, and it really started making me think about how many Star Trek actors have gone on to direct, and how many of them could potentially return uh, in the current era of Star Trek. Uh, it was sh- shared on social media a while back that a few of the members of the cast of the next generation had visited the set of Picard and it had been mentioned that Whoopi Goldberg uh, is going to be returning in her role as Guinan in the future on Picard. And it really got me thinking because there was a seed planted in season one of Star Trek Picard and that was seven of nine. And Heather, when I started thinking of Seven of Nine, it got me thinking of Star Trek Voyager. And it made me remember that Robert Duncan McNeil, who played Tom Paris on Voyager, as well as Roxanne Dawson, who played Bellana Torres, uh, have also done the same uh, post-Star Trek. They worked in film and television and directing and producing. And I thought, I would love to see a Tom Harris cameo. I would love to see a Bolana Torres cameo. Maybe they're still together. Maybe they're still married 20 years later. Who knows? Uh, and I just thought maybe there are some others, Heather, that could potentially return to Star Trek in the future to maybe just do a cameo as well as direct. And what do you think? Well, I would love to see some of the former Star Trek actors who got their start uh, in directing actually on Star Trek. I would love to see them come back to the newer shows like Jonathan Frakes has. Uh, I pulled up the list from Memory Alpha, which has a, a list of all the cast members who directed. And not only like we talked about Jonathan Frakes and Roxanne Dawson and Robert Duncan McNeil, but also uh, 
And obviously he can't because he passed away. But Rene Abergenois directed multiple episodes of DS9 as well as Avery Brooks. And then uh, LeVar Burton has literally directed episodes from TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. Uh, Michael Dorn has directed episodes of DS9 and Enterprise. Uh, Alexander Siddig, um, Gates McFadden, and Robert Picardo and Tim Russ all directed at least one episode of Star Trek. So, I mean... They have a lot. Oh, and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I can't forget Patrick Stewart. Never heard but, of him. But <laughs> Star Trek has such a long history of giving their actors an opportunity that if they want to explore the field of directing, uh, they've gotten the chance to direct their own episode. And so as much as Jonathan Frakes is such a godfather when it comes to Star Trek and and in the world of directing, because, I mean, he's directed some incredible episodes, uh, as well as like TNG First Contact, which is one of the the best uh, next generation movies. So I would love to see uh, other former cast members who are now acclaimed directors in their own right get a chance to. Um, I think Robert McNeil would be an awesome choice for a director of any of the new shows because a, a lot of his work since leaving Voyager has been in directing and specifically in directing sci-fi shows, uh, which means he, like his view at, when it comes to the episodes that he's putting together, like he knows science fiction. So he would be an excellent choice. Um, I would also love to see any of the cast, current cast members of both discovery or Picard or strange new worlds get the opportunity to direct an episode if they want to. Um, I think that would be incredible. I think that would help continue the tradition of Star Trek giving their actors the opportunity to direct. But this also goes back to what we were saying in the last segment, because with these series only being 10 to 15 episodes and not 20, 25, 30 episodes, like all of the past series, that gives less of an opportunity to have a variety of different directors and it's less of an opportunity to bring in uh, different voices to direct episodes. So it's kind of a so the solution is <laughs> so the solution is everybody subscribe to CBS All Access so we can let Alex Kurtzman know that we want more episodes. <laughs> we want so more we, episodes so we so can we, have these different directors and get to see their visions of Star Trek right now and cameos, man cameos yes yes there's so much room for cameos in in this universe now there's so many room for cameos i mean i heard someone online and i i apologize i don't remember who suggested it initially uh but i heard someone suggest for actually a cameo for strange new worlds that they have something like a, a flashback of some sort of when the Enterprise is uh, uh, like initially launched uh, because, according to the books, Jonathan Archer was still alive. 
Oh, hey. (laughs) There we go. They could bring in Archer and T'Pol. That's perfect. Yes, that is perfect. That would be amazing. Yes. (laughs) I'd totally be on board with that. I I would jump out of my chair for that. (laughs) Yeah. I I want to know... What we need to do to get Scott Bakula and, and, oh God, what is her name? Why? I was jo- just about. Jolene Blaylock. Jolene Blaylock. Oh my goodness. Right as I was saying her name, it, I blanked on it. Jolene Blaylock and Scott Bakula, just to give them a little bit of something to welcome them back into the family. That, that would, that would be the end of a very long road for Star Trek Enterprise, I think. And, and I would welcome it. Uh, so. Yes, just especially Robert Duncan McNeil. He 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 did an episode of V, really great underrated series. So I I would be all for it. Uh, yeah. So moving right along, this is a quick podcast, everybody. We're not going to take up too much of your time. Uh, into upcoming business, and this is this is a favorite here on the Promenade Merchants podcast, where we're excited for Star Trek Discovery season three. Whenever it comes out someday, uh, in 2020, hopefully. Uh, and we've been doing predictions for each character. Uh, we, we're up to now, uh, the Terran Emperor, Philippa Giorgio. Uh, last we saw her, she seemed to be getting along well with Section 31. And now we're in the future, the distant future. So, Heather, uh, what do you think is going to happen with Emperor Giorgio? Well, you know, I'm honestly, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with uh, Giorgio in season three. I think this is going to be the first season where she's basically a regular character because she's on the ship with them. Uh, She's not going to be just a recurring character like she was in season one and season two and i absolutely love michelle yo so i can't wait to see where they take her character uh one of the most interesting things is that at least some of the 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 hints and and this could obviously change depending on what happens throughout the season but a lot of the hints they've given for uh, George Rowe's own show, the Section 31 show, which is supposed to start filming after season three of Discovery, is that uh, George o will be back in the regular timeline that they left. So how the heck does she get there? <laughs> I mean, she's in the future with all of them right now in season three on the ship with them. Uh, so she's somehow going to find a way to get herself back to the timeline that they left and and like i said that that's something they kind of hinted at that's something that could obviously not be true and they were just playing everybody uh but i i think that's going to be true especially with the obvious hints towards the federation being kind of dismantled i'm not sure i want section or um Georgia running her own Section 31 in the future with the Dismantled Federation. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, but I really like the character, and I think they're taking her on a road of redemption, which a lot of people can argue that she doesn't deserve that, 
or that um, she's kind of too evil to be redeemed. But I'm interested in seeing how they take her along this path. Because I think if you really take a character that was introduced as uh, the overruling emperor of the Terran universe and turn her into a more sympathetic character, like the journey from A to B is going to be pretty wild. So I'm really interested to see how they get from there to here. And I'm not quite sure how they're getting there yet. It's going to have a lot to do with her connection to Michael because in her universe, Michael was her adopted daughter. Uh, So I I think Michael's going to be the one who really brings out the humanity in her, but we're going to have to wait and see. And it's going to be a wild ride. I agree that it will be a wild ride. But I believe you brought up a great point about the Federation in the future uh, being nearly wiped out, as we've seen in some teasers. And I think that Emperor Giorgio uh, will find a way back to the past, like Samurai Jack. And it's going to involve uh, everybody, listeners. I'm going to use a a term that that is known in the world of professional wrestling. And I'm going to say that we are going to see a heel turn from Emperor Giorgio. I believe that sometime in this season, she's probably going to turn on the crew of the Discovery and turn on Michael Burnham. Because everything we've seen from her is that she has kind of a selfish nature kind of a very selfish nature and she does things impulsively she does things very self-interested and she's going to want to do one of two things either one find a way to take control of things with no federation to get in her way in the future or find a way to get back to the past and go back to section 31 uh, depending on how she feels about her chances living in the future with no federation to chase after her. Um, I, I will say that I also love Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Emperor Giorgio, I don't trust her. I don't trust her at all. Don't, don't, don't really like her style very much. And, uh, every time she's around, I'm always a little bit leery little suspicious of what she's planning and what she's plotting. And I think it will probably involve her trying to do something to rule like an emperor in the future. Or if I can pull off of what you're suggesting here, uh, instead of her trying to find her own way back, she does try to find a way to take over and rule because that's her nature. But Michael and the rest of the crew of the Discovery find a way to send her back because of that. (laughs) Because they can't trust her in a world without a governing body. (laughs) There we go. I think that it's Philippa Giorgio. She tries to take over again with no Federation to chase her. Uh, The crew of the Discovery uh, hunt her down and, and kick her back to the past to where Section 31 can keep an eye on her, I think. I think that's what we've come to. Yeah. 
That could happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we figured it out. I think we figured it out. If, kind of like when we predicted Strange New Worlds, if we we actually pulled that off and managed to predict it, well, uh, just send us a tweet at PromTrackPod, or maybe I'll say something about it uh, on the Twitter account and say, hey, nailed it. Listen and subscribe, everybody. Uh, and we appreciate you listening. Uh, Heather? Uh, tell everybody about this little contest you got going on. I was going to say, speaking of Giorgio, uh, over the past month, I've been giving away some awesome fan sets pins of some of my favorite uh, female characters. And Thank you for my- the Captain Cisco pin, by the way. Yes, you're very welcome. <laughs> but my very last giveaway is going to be of our wonderful Terran Emperor Philippa Giorgio. <laughs> I have the the pan, the pin is really cool looking because it's her outfit from when we first meet the emperor with her gold cloak and her her gold and black armor and I just the the pin is beautiful. Uh it's the very last of all my giveaways. I'm going to be putting it out there on the Twitterverse on Monday. Uh so this will probably be released around then. So if you're listening to this, Follow me at NerdyGal33. Follow the podcast at PromTrekPod. And look for that giveaway because it's my very last one. And uh, it's a beautiful little pin. I can't wait. And thank everyone who has submitted and the folks who have won their pins already. Thank you so much for following us. We appreciate all of your support. Yeah, thank you. So follow the podcast at Prom Trek Pod, P R O M Trek P O D. Uh, follow Heather, win yourself a pin at NerdyGal33, and uh, yours truly, I'm at Call Me DJM. You can do with that what you like uh, for all of your podcasting goodness. Thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. See, we told you it wouldn't take up too much of your time. Uh, we hope your Ractagino gives you that extra boost. Please, by all means, listen and subscribe in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and at my little web hub, DeltaJulietMike.com. Heather, thank you as always. Our ninth episode is in the books. Looking forward to doing this with you again very, very soon. Thank you. I can't believe we are almost to 10. We're, we're, we're all grown up now. We're getting there. <laughs> almost like a real Star Trek podcast or something. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Walk with the prophets. Live long and prosper and, and go play ball. Well, maybe not social distancing. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>